Okay, good evening. Topic this evening is reasons, not excuses. A closer look into the story of the Mikalel. Mikalel kind of creeps in in the end of the Parsha, where we just have a few psukim about a young man who was clearly very disturbed, and in his, his rage, we'll have to see what led up to those feelings, but in his rage, he curses Hashem. I'd like to explore this carefully together, understanding the background of what led up to this point, who was the Mikalel, and why did he do such a terrible, evil thing? The, uh, the two psukim we have that actually tell us what took place, Pasek says, ben isha Yisraelis, that the son of the Jewish mother went out, v'hu ben ish mitzri, and he was the son of an Egyptian father, Besoch b'nei Yisrael, he went into the middle of Klal Yisrael, meaning it was in public. And he got into a fight in the camp. Ben Yisraelis ve'ish Yisraeli. So this, this person, who had the Jewish mother and the Egyptian father, he goes out, he gets into a fight with another Jewish person, what happens? Vayikov ben ha'isha Yisraelis es Hashem. That this person, the Jewish mother, he curses Hashem. Yikov literally means that he expressed the name of God, Vayikalel, and he cursed. Vayaviyu oso el Moshe, they brought him to Moshe. Vishemi Moshe Lomas Vas Divri, and the, the mother. Her name was Shlomus Bas Divri Lamata Don from the tribe of Don. So here we have it. Person has a Jewish mother, non-Jewish father, gets into a fight in the Machana. Why does it have to specify where this fight took place? It's a good question. He then goes and he curses God and he's brought before Moshe. Rashi, where he's analyzing pretty much every word of this Pasuk, he says, Vyetze ben Isha Yisraelis. So Mehechen Yatza, quoting from the Midrashic source, where did he go out from? Rabbi Levi Omer, Me'olamo Yatza, he went out from his world. Not just the description of him going from place A to place B, but he left his world through this particular incident. Rabbi Brachia Omer, that actually the Yetze is t- teaching us that he was coming, or at least the connection of the previous Parsha that spoke about the Lechem Haponim, is that he was actually making fun, legalag, he was mocking the Lechem Haponim. And he was asking, why is it that Hashem is okay eating stale bread? It's here for so many days, I would assume Hashem wants fresh challah. So, it's clear that what he did was very bad. It extracted him from his world. Basically, this was a life-changing moment. What led up to this moment, says Rebrachia, is that he was mocking, he was making fun 
of an element in the Mishkan. And then we have another interpretation, really another layer of understanding here, that Veyetse is telling us that he was coming out mi base dino shel Moshe. He was leaving the base din of Moshe. And he was coming out chayiv. Which means Moshe paskind that he was wrong. What was he wrong about? So Bolita Ahalo Basoch Machanai Don. He wanted to pitch his tent in the tribe of Don. That's where his mother was from, like the Pasik told us. They said to him, Matitalakan. You're not one of us. He said back, Mibne Donani. I am from Don. They replied, Don't you know the halacha? Your shavit is based on your father, it's not based on your mother. And because your father was a Mitzri, you don't belong here. Take a hike. So that explains what this, the Yenotsu B'machana, they were arguing in the camp. It's not just describing where they were, but here the Pusig is actually revealing to us what they were fighting about. They were fighting about whether or not this guy had rights to be here in Shevet Dun. So because they had this debate, they went to Moshe. Nichnas lebeis dinu shel Moshe v'yotza mechuyu. Moshe do not have to let you stay here. Officially, you're not part of the Shevet. Amor v'gideh. He leaves Vyetse ben Isha Yisraelis. He leaves the basin of Moshe. And it sounds like almost immediately afterwards, in that rage, in that despair, in that disappointment, Omar Vigideh, he curses God. This is how Rashi explains what took place based on the Midrashic source. Now there's a few, uh, few points that Rashi elaborates on. First of all, who was this Ben Ish Mitzri? His father was the Egyptian. So Rashi tells us, Hu HaMitzri Shaharag Moshe. His father was the Egyptian that Moshe Rabbeinu killed. Right, our first episode of Moshe coming out and seeing the Egyptian taskmaster beating a Jew. He looks around, no one's doing anything about it. Makom She'en Anashim. So he kills this Mitzri. How does he kill the Mitzri? Using the Shem HaMafurish. Using Hashem's divine name. So interesting that the father, the Egyptian father of this fellow, was that Egyptian that Moshe killed. The Yetzir, he goes out, Betoch B'nei Yisrael, in the midst of Klal Yisrael. Says Rashi, again quoting from the Sitra, we learn that he converted. Sounds like he wasn't always Jewish, because his father was Egyptian, and therefore he converted. What's troubling about this is that we know the halacha. As long as one's mother is Jewish, that means he's Jewish. The fact that his father was Egyptian, that makes no difference whatsoever in the determination of his status as a Jew. So why would he need gear? Why would he need conversion? What's that? Oh, so we'll see if that's going to be one answer of the, uh, the Rambach. 
One last point in Rashi. Rashi says, Vayikov. The translation there is, Kitargumo uporesh. Vayikov means that he explicitly utilized the Shem Hashem. Shinokov Shem Meyuchad Vegidev. Vahu Shem Hamaforesh Shishama Misinai. He was utilizing the explicit name of God. Where did he hear this name? At Har Sinai. He was standing there with his brothers and sisters, being Makabah the Torah. That's where he had this exposure to the Shem Hashem, and he used it for this purpose, to curse HaKadosh Baruch. So the Ramban addresses this question, why was there a need for him to convert if his mother was Jewish? So he does quote the opinion of the French scholars, like Mrs. Meth was mentioning, where they explain because it was Kodem Matan Torah, and we just said he heard the Shem Hashem at Matan Torah, so it's clearly a debate when historically did this take place. But if you were to assume that this takes place before Matan Torah, so then the halacha was all non-Jews their lineage, their status is based on their father. And that was the same thing for the Jewish people as well until he received the Torah. So it could be that's why there was a need for him to be Megayer. He had to convert. However, the Ramban says, I don't like that. Because in the opinion of the Ramban, as soon as there was the bris, as soon as that covenant was, was created between Hashem and Avram Avinu, at that point in time, Kalal Yisrael, we were already designated as a separate and special nation. And starting from that point in time, from that relationship with Avram and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, already then, your mother determines your Judaism. And therefore, we have to have another explanation as to why there is a need for conversion. So listen to the words of the Ramban. He says, the truth is, Halachically speaking, technically speaking, there was no need for him to be Megayer. He was 100% Jewish. The expression that's used is that a Jewish mother is like a mikvah. It's mataher the vlad, it purifies the, the, the fetus. And therefore, even if the father is a mitzri, this child is Jewish. So what does it mean that he converted? Sheholach Acher Imo, it's describing his journey. It sounds like he had a choice. He could have followed his father. He could have been influenced by his dad, the Mitzri. But he chose to go after his mother, v'nidbak b'Yisrael, and cling to the Jewish people. V'zetam b'soch b'nei Yisrael. When it says that he went out, B'soch b'nei Yisrael, that's giving us really a feeling that through his Bechira, through his decision, he wanted to be part of Klal Yisrael, he was holding on to his mother's religion, and he did not want to emulate his father. He had no interest in the Egyptian culture, he wanted to be an Erlich So this is giving us really a fuller picture of who this Mekalil was. And when we get a little bit deeper and we get the context of where he was coming from, he sounds like a pretty good guy. Right here he was. 
he had a, a strange background that nobody else had. I'm sure in school, you know, kids might look at him differently and growing up, perhaps he was made fun of on some level. You know, dad's a Mitzri, right? They would uh, call him Pharaoh for Purim and, you know, they'd make fun of him. But, in Kolzeh, he wanted to follow his mother, he wanted to be Besoch B'nai Yisrael. So by learning more about his background and his personal journey, it makes it harder to understand what led him to do such a terrible thing. So take a look at the Rebbein Bachaya. The Rebbein Bachaya seems to be bothered by a different question, which is if there's a fight going on between this young man and the Ish Yisraeli, fellow who is living in Don, and they were arguing back and forth. So why would that lead this guy to be Mekalel Shem Hashem? If you're mad at anybody, who should he be mad at? Well, obviously this fellow who's trying to kick him out of the territory, but given the fact that they go to Moshe and Moshe paskins in favor of Shevet Dun, right, one of the great cases you have to memorize for the uh, government AP, Shevet Dun versus, right, the Ish Ben Yisraelis. So Lechora, it would seem that he should be mad at, at Moshe. Why is he cursing God? Moshe is the person who's, who's giving you this psaq that you feel is unjust. So that was the question of the Rebbein Bachaya. He should have complained, he should have had tainas, he should have had, had anger against Moshe. So explains the Rebbein Bachaya. There's more to the story. Ki ishi Yisraeli siperlo, as he was getting in the fight with this Jewish person from Shevet Don, it's getting heated, and they're raising their voices, and then this guy says something that maybe he regretted later, we don't know, but the Jewish, the fully Jewish fellow told him, you should know, by the way, your father, who was Egyptian, was killed by Moshe Rabbeinu. The Manhig, the leader of all of Klal Yisrael, he killed your dad. His kirlo hei chaisa misaso, ki Moshe hargo b'shem hamafurish, and he explains to this fellow, the way Moshe killed the Mitzri, your father, is he used Hashem's explicit divine name. Now, why would he add this into the fight? It almost sounds like uh, you know, boys in middle school. When things get heated, they start making fun of family. And that's what this guy did. And he revealed this piece of information that according to the Rebbein Bachaya, was unknown until this point in his life. So how is that answering his question? The problem the Rebbein Bachaya was grappling with was, why is, he, why is he cursing Hashem? He should be mad at Moshe for the ruling that he received from Moshe. The answer seems to be that it's not only Moshe who's at fault, but Moshe is not only passing against you, making your life more difficult now, 
but he killed your father. And he did so using Hashem's name. So what that does is that almost expands the taina, that expands the complaint, the anger that this young man has. Not only am I, am I upset with Moshe, but I'm upset with the Kodesh Baruch Hu because, not so clear, but his name, his Kedusha was utilized to kill my biological father. So the anger was not only directed at Moshe, but it was anger at Hashem as well. The Kliyakar has a little bit of a different approach, but along the same theme. The Kliyakar assumes that he knew for a while that Moshe killed his father, and therefore in his heart he had this real anger against Moshe and against the Kaddish Baruch Hu. Kol hayomim hayim migadef besoch libo v'lo noda b'chutz hadavar. His entire life, whenever it was, whatever age that was that he found out what actually took place, he was holding on to these feelings of resentment against Moshe and against HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And it only came out, it exploded when he was getting in the fight with the fellow from Shevet Don. At that point it came out. So according to the Rebbeinu Bachaya, it was new information that caused him this new level of rage. And according to the Kliyokar, it was something he was holding on to for years. And this was the, the moment that pushed him over the edge. But we're talking about a young man who initially wanted to be Besoch B'nai Yisrael. He wanted to move away from the Mitzri who was his father and that culture. And he wanted to cling to Yiddishkeit. But he was turned off by the circumstance. He was turned off by the psak, And he couldn't get his head around the fact that the Manhig Hador, the leader of the generation that everybody looks up to, and I'm sure he did as well, but knowing that he was the person that killed my father using the Kedush of Hashem's name, that was too much to handle. And that brought him to do the unthinkable that brought him to be Mekalel Shem Hashem Barabim, to curse Hashem in public. So with the broader context of the story, analyzing who he was and why he did what he did, he probably had some pretty good excuses as to why he was so angry. And was it the right thing for that guy living in Shevet Dun to tell him, I'm sorry, you don't belong here? Perhaps it would have been a nicer gesture to say, you know what, halachically speaking, it might be true that because your father is not from the Shevet, you don't officially have rights here. But we want to in, in, in bring you in. We want to embrace you. Right? You have nowhere to go. You're a loner. You're looking for people to, to bring you in and, 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 and make you feel that you're wanted, that you're part of the mishpacha. That would have been the right thing to do. Was Moshe Rabbeinu's Psaq correct? Of course it was. He didn't have rights there, halachically speaking. So putting all of this together, although Moshe, I'm sure, presented that ruling in the most gentle and loving and compassionate way, but, but this is the halacha. But you put that together, having that animosity and that resentment because he killed my father and Hashem was involved at the name, and now I don't even have a place to live... 
It sounds like a pretty good excuse for doing something evil out of anger. So why was he punished? Why was he held accountable when there was so much trauma and there was so much baggage and there were so many excuses for him to want to throw away Judaism and throw away his allegiance to Moshe Rabbeinu? And the answer is because there's a difference between a good excuse and a real reason. And this is such a fundamental point in Hashkafa Satora, in understanding this particular incident, but I think understanding our role. Our role is Ovde Hashem. What's the difference between an excuse and a reason? So I have here a few bullet points. We'll compare and contrast briefly. An excuse usually comes from a lack of self-awareness. I'm not just making something up because I don't want you to be disappointed in me. But more often than not, I'm lying to myself. I'm not fully aware all of my feelings, all of the reasons to bring me to do or not to do something. So if I'm giving you an excuse, it could be I'm just not in tune with myself. A reason is I am in touch with who I am. I know what's bothering me. I know how I'm feeling. I'm aware of those emotions, and I could trace them back pretty easily in this case. But just because I know that I feel this way does not allow me to act in this particular manner. So an excuse could take away, or it actually expresses a lack of self-awareness. A reason could do the exact opposite. An excuse is usually avoiding responsibility. It's not my fault because either that person or this thing or this circumstance. A reason is where I'm embracing responsibility. I understand that there are many factors that led me to make this mistake, but I'm, but I'm taking ownership of the mistake. And it's interesting and it's somewhat counterintuitive. When you take the approach of knowing the reasons but not using them as an excuse, you're able to have more self-empathy because when I feel like I need to give an excuse, what's going on in my head, in my heart, is if I really did fail, then that means I am a failure. If I made the mistake, that means I am a mistake, and therefore I have to defend myself by making things up. If a person has the maturity and the sophistication to say, you know what, I really messed up on this one. I should not have said that or I should have been there when I said I would be there. I don't have to make an excuse, but that means I don't have to defend myself because I'm not defined. My worth is not based on this particular action or inaction. Taking ownership and responsibility can actually build self-esteem while living in that mindset, I have to give an excuse to you or to myself, that breaks down the barriers, that breaks the foundations of a healthy self-esteem. When I give an excuse, I become defensive. I'm not listening, I'm not learning, I'm not trying to, to grow based on what took place. I'm trying to mitigate the damage. When I'm looking for reasons why this happened, but I'm not trying to use them to shift the blame, 
So that means I'm open and I'm receptive, I'm receptive to feedback. Right? The Vilna Gon gives a beautiful mashal in Mishlei. He says, if a person's going out to a fancy dinner, and right before he leaves the house, he looks in the mirror just to see that everything is the way it should be, and he smiles and he sees there's something right between his teeth. How does he feel in that moment? A, I can't believe I have a piece of uh, pepper between my teeth. That is so embarrassing, I am worthless. Or B, I am so glad I found it now before I went to the party. Right? So says the Vilna Gaon, wanting to hear feedback, wanting to learn from mistakes, wanting to build ourselves based on failure, that's looking in the mirror and saying, wow, I do see there is a deficiency. There is a moom, there is, a, there is a, a blockage, but I'm glad I saw that because now I could become a different person, I could transform myself. When we live in the world of excuses, we're looking to blame others, we're not looking internally, we're not trying to learn. An excuse means I'm a victim to the circumstance. It's because there was so much traffic, that's why I wasn't able to get there on time. It's because I was so exhausted, you tweak that, even though it sounds like the exact same thing, but you're viewing it from an entirely different angle. I was exhausted, and I understand that would have been really difficult to be there. But that's not an excuse. I should have been there. I told you I would be there. An excuse, lastly, what it does is not only can it break down self-esteem, because I feel I have to defend myself, otherwise I'm worthless, it creates limitations and barriers. I'm not, I'm not willing or wanting to expand my horizons. I'm not looking from the lens of how can I grow from this. So it might sound very similar when expressed, or the thought that goes through our head might be very similar, an excuse versus a reason, but the difference is breaking down barriers and being able to expand our horizons and being self-aware and self uh, compassionate in contrast to living in a world of deception where I need to protect myself in this false warped reality. In the case of the Mikalel, there were many good reasons for him to feel betrayed. And likely there were questions he had and there were no good answers. Why is it that I'm the one person who has the father who's an Ish Mitzri and that itself makes me feel uncomfortable and the fact that Moshe killed him, which, which has me feeling resentment towards him, why do I have to be that guy? What is the answer to that question? We have no clue. We don't understand Darche Hashem. Are those good reasons to be upset? Yes. Is that an excuse to be Mekal Shem Hashem? No. There are no excuses when you live in a world of accountability. The Mekalel felt he wasn't responsible because as soon as he heard the Psak, Omud Vigidev, what can I do? How could I do anything other than curse Hashem? Clearly, my life is a disaster. That's an excuse. I'll share with you one last point here from a Kabbalistic perspective. This is an area that we could reference, although we don't know much about. 
But in the Bermayim Chaim, one of the great Hasidic commentators on Chumash, he writes that it's possible this fellow who felt that his life was, was a disaster, that he was living in this, this handicapped existence, says the Bermayim Chaim, it could be he was created for this moment. Who knows how many Gilgulim this Neshama went through, how many centuries coming back into Olam Hazeh until he arrived in this particular person. And he says, we know, based on the teachings of the Arizal, Ki oso mitzri haya gilgul kayin. That mitzri, the father of this person, was actually the gilgul, the reincarnation of kayin, of Cain. Sha'al kayin hargu Moshe, and that's why Moshe needed to kill this mitzri. Shahu gilgul hevel. Moshe was the gilgul of hevel. Killing this mitzri was, explains the Bermayim Chaim, based on the Arizal, was the Gilgal of Hevel, in a sense, taking revenge and killing Cain, but not to get him back, not to take revenge. It was Lachaper al Hargu Avar, that this would serve as a kapora, as an atonement, for Cain killing Hevel in a previous Gilgal. Now, Cain, what was the response when Hashem came to Cain and said, what's going on? Where's your brother? And he said, I don't know. Hashem ochi enochi. Am I my brother's keeper? Says the Bermayim Chaim, right there. The way that Cain spoke to Hashem, hu kechiruf vegiduf, that was blasphemy. Saying something expressing the, the machshava, that Hashem doesn't know what's going on. So Cain, who was Megadev, who was Mecharev, he also cursed Hashem in his own way. Now we have Moshe, who's the Gilgal of Hevel, killing Cain as a form of Kapara. So where does that leave this kid, the son of the Gilgal of Cain? Vahaben Halaz, he wasn't able to stand up to the call of the hour to overcome his Yetzer. Lomar to say to himself, Perhaps I was only created for this moment. What moment? Meaning to say, as he walked out, he leaves the based in Shalmosha. He is destroyed. He is devastated. Nobody is there with him. He has no home. He has no family. He has no country. Nobody was, is, is looking out for me. And Moshe Rabbeinu, who killed my father, is now pasking against me. Says the Bermaim Chaim, he could have transformed being the victim of the circumstance to an opportunity of a lifetime by just telling himself, Maybe I was only created 
for this moment. Just to hold myself back, not to curse Hashem, not to keep that legacy of my father of Cain alive and bring it back into the world. Maybe this is the moment why HaKadosh Baruch Hu created me. What does the coach say to the team as they're going out for the big game? You were born for this moment, right? It's been leading up to this. You were born for this. We don't believe we were born for football or hockey or basketball. But when confronted by a situation where our natural reaction is, this is too much. This is too much to handle. There are too many questions I don't have answers to. There is so much resentment that I have within me to transform that into ulai, perhaps, this is the moment that I was created for to be Misakain, Doros, and generations of Gilgulim, everyone waiting in anticipation right here, not to do chesed, not to learn Torah, but just to hold yourself back from cursing God. That would have been the tikkun. That would have been transformative. What does it mean, say? The first interpretation we saw was, say me'olomo, he went out from his world, concludes the Ber Mayim Chaim. Perhaps he only came into the world for this moment, and because he wasn't able to take advantage of that moment, Yetzay Me'olamo means he left the world. He left his purpose for being here. It's possible to acquire your world in one moment. It's possible to lose the world in one moment. Now, what exactly does all this mean that the Mitzri was the Gilgal of Cain and Moshe was the Gilgal of Hevel? These ideas are well beyond and above us. But the, the take-home idea of the Bermaim Chaim, which is so incredibly empowering, is that when we're able to make that shift from... It's an excuse, I have a right to feel this way, and I have therefore have a right to act out on these feelings. And I'm able to transform that into, I know there are many good reasons as to why I feel this way, but I don't therefore have the right to do something I know is not true. I don't have license to do something I know is not the will of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. That could be the turning moment in your life. That was the opportunity of the Makalel, which he lost forever. So reasons, not excuses. This is a closer look into the history, the personal journey of the Makalel, into a tragic story we have in Chumash. But at the same time, it can be a source of strength. Knowing this distinction and being able to take those moments of challenge and difficulty and ask ourselves, Ulai, perhaps I was created for this. Perhaps generations of Nishamos are waiting in anticipation for me to stand up to the challenge of the moment, and that could change destiny. Okay, shkoyach.